Hello and welcome to the SBS Cycling Podcast. I'm Philip Gomes and with me today are a trio of guys who know their stuff when it comes to cycling, allegedly. As usual, we have Anthony Tan. Hello, How Phil. How was Vietnam? It was good, but all the time as I was traveling from Hanoi to Ho Chi Minh City, I thought wouldn't it be great if they replaced these squillion motorbikes with bikes without uh, motorbikes without uh, or bikes without engines. Wasn't there much cycling though? I mean, surely. I mean, you know those old big yeah. black. I don't know if there know. has been a tour of Vietnam. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I used to be a, a bit of an Asian cycling expert, but I, I don't. I don't think there was or has hmm. been. And we also have our other regular, which is the uh, the editor of Ride Mag, Rob Arnold. Hello, Phil. Thanks for having me back. Just uh, celebrating the end of an issue. That's so we right. got one on sale this week, which is uh, number 71 of Ride Cycling Review. A couple of uh, no-name guys are on the cover, people we've never heard of. Yeah, we've got some heavily tattered Tour de France winner, Bradley Wiggins and his hand-slinging Mark Cavendish in in the Madison. But we'll talk about that in a little while. Yeah, yeah. Fab but cover, though. It's a really nice shot on the cover. Yeah, really yeah. pleased to have track cycling on the cover. Mm. Uh, it looks a bit odd for a magazine that's packed with information about road bikes, but uh, there's no brakes and no gears on the cover, but uh, two superstars of our sport. And and, uh, and really, they're kind of ro- they're roadies, really. Well, it is an Olympic year, and we do sort of care about track cycling a little bit more, apparently, yep. in that time. And uh, we've had a magnificent world championships, which we will reference, I'm sure, later in this podcast. Because there's a lot been happening since we since I was last talking into this microphone. Yep. Yeah, it's been a while. And um, I'm assuming the office is empty because um, you've brought along a wingman. Brought along a colleague, Jack Lynch. We'll welcome you into the podcast for the first time. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. So, Jack, you're probably... Half the age of everyone else on this at this table. <laughs> I have a young face, so, but yeah. I'm full of knowledge. Don't worry about it. Ah, uh, you see, see, this is why we brought you in. All right, all right. A younger demographic. <laughs> so I'm hip and groovy and all those things everyone wants to be. Eh? That's bullshit. You probably actually. <laughs> you probably know how to use uh, Snapchat, so maybe you can tell us how to do that later. I don't actually. That's one I've got to get onto. Uh, it opens up a whole new world of social media. I'm told. Um, well, let's. Uh, we'll get rolling in just a second with uh, with what we're going to talk about and let's go okay and today we're going to discuss mostly ramble about uh, some of the hot topics of the day including demergate is that what we're calling it no we don't call things gates okay safety in an age of terrorism that's cycling uh, bike racing safety in an age of terrorism uh, the classics, past and present, and I think we can we can pretty much start with Strad and uh, go on to MSR, and and of course we'll look at the uh, track worlds, which were to be from my point of view were absolutely fantastic as they usually are when we sit down and watch track in a long, focused way. It's still the most compelling racing around. And when you've got it live on television, when you're having your brekkie, it's kind of cool, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So yep. They, they were in London in a in a packed velodrome. I heard they sold over 56,000 tickets, five days of racing. There was also, uh, I spoke with Amy from Cycling Australia, who was doing the PR, and she told me that generally when the media goes to a track to the velodrome, they get a little compound inside on the infield. But it wasn't to be this year because they were selling tickets for £580 a head 
and they sold out every session and there were three sessions some most days and so people would go along spend a huge amount of money to watch to basically have to spin around all of the time because the action's happening around them mm. and so the media was chucked outside the velodrome so I don't know if everyone knows that, but there you go. That, that's the, int- the level of interest that exists in track racing in Britain at and the, the moment. And the media are reptiles anyway. Well, yeah. they get to see it. They yeah, just watch it on right. telly. Yeah, that's what we did. That's why and I don't that's go to I the did. tour anymore, you know, because just, you just get shoved in a media compound. What's the point of going over there? You get to then talk you, to people. Easy. You get to experience <laughs> summer. Oh, I'll wait outside a bus, you know, which has all been covered as... David Mueller said the Death Star, yes. Team Sky bus, you wait outside there for 45 minutes to well, I bought a press Jack officer. for a week last week, uh, last year, and I uh, yeah. chucked him on a moto any, for any one suitcase? day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spooled me along. And he spent a, a gloriously filthy wet day on the back of a motorbike. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, great experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like he'll be back. <laughs> I'll bring a jacket this time, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you'll look back on it. And um, and you'll wonder what the hell you were doing. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Well, the, the, think, the road, think, the track. No, the... we'll talk about the road because I think um, you know we've we've had some events uh, just happen in the last uh, 24, 48 hours, which I think is something worth considering about uh, when we talk about cycling because because it did actually in this in this instance uh, affect cycling in a, in a small way and and really not to make it all about us uh, because it, uh, it these are events that are much bigger than cycling, but. Mm. We had the, um, the terrorist, uh, terrorist attacks in Belgium, and um, there were Dwarf's uh, um, uh, Vlaanderen uh, race. Dwarf's Vlaanderen. Vlaanderen, yes, that's it. Yeah, well, you know, my Flemish or mm. Belgian, not the best. It's Mark Taylor Malney, mm-hmm. don't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that's <matter>. right. <laughs> and um, so, you know, it, 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 it made me think about security and bike racing because, you know, we run, we have a very open sport. I think this is this sort of thing is in danger of touching us in a real way. You know, I don't necessarily like to contemplate those sorts of things, but I think it's something that we really have to consider and think about. Um, what are your thoughts on, on this, Anthony? Well, we've had protesters at cycling events. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but it has happened at even races like the Tour. But I don't think there's been a terrorist event in a, in a high-profile bike race or even low-profile one. So... Uh, but yeah, I mean the the possibilities, and you wouldn't, you probably would say maybe five years or ten years ago that it would have been quite remote. I think now you wouldn't even say that. You'd say it it, it could happen quite easily. Well, yeah, when I have gone along to races such as a tour, yeah, you, you think there's pretty low level security. I mean, you can't. How do you how do you frisk? You know, a million people on standing on the side of say Arpduez you can't do that so that way it's it's impossible to con- yeah it's impossible to contain that element of risk you can only um, mitigate against it by having heaps of security and then that I mean we we saw I think maybe a Giro d'Italia where they had lined one of the the mountain slopes with all these security guards and I don't know if that kind of takes away from the cycling. You want to see those fans mm. get really close to the riders. Mm. Rob? Well, if I think about incidents that have happened in my time, there was two years ago on the final stage of the Tour de France, there was a, 
I think, a, a robbery or something, and a, a guy had driven a car through the barricades and police <laughs> shot at him. So there were guns, there were shots fired. That, that, that was actually last year before Champs-Élysées. Was it last year last or the year, year before? No, yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah, it was anyway, last year. But, yeah, yeah. Two editions ago. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Uh, okay. that wasn't a terrorist thing, but it was a, definitely a security scare and, mm. and it was a bit frightening to think that there was there were guns being used around the Tour de France, you know, that, that was frightening. Another time was about 2009 when on the day that I think Heinrich Ausler won the stage in Colmar, there was someone on the side of the road shooting pellets at the peloton and That's right. Julian yeah. Dean got hit in the hand That's and right. Oscar Freire got hit in the bum and I think from memory. And and, and, and that's the, the only real recall I have of incidents happening. And mm. even even it, even a BB gun is it's kind of just makes you sick to think that someone would take pot shots at the peloton. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I I think this is a much broader context social discussion than it is about sporting environment. But I spoke with Robbie McEwen yesterday because he's great analysis. Uh, he's got great analysis of racism. We talked about Milan San Remo, but he's married to a, a Belgian girl. He lived in Flanders a long time. He was just shaken, you know. You could hear when when I asked how he was because of what happened in Belgium. He, a man who's always got words for everything, just went silent. Yeah. And 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 when even now talking about it, I just feel a loss for words for what happened in in, in the airport and yeah. in the metro system there. I think there was there was an uh, there was an incident uh, many many years ago at the tour. Phil Liggett's car was blown up. So there, there was at least that, that one incident exactly. from, yeah, yeah. Oh, and even you look at um, the Boston Marathon a few years ago yep. with the bombings, that's mm. where that took place. I, so actually, that's very similar because it's an open, effectively an open type course. Mm. So, well, I mean, your experience on the back of that, that motorcycle at the tour, I mean, that would have given you a real insight to, as to, to how open the roads are. When oh. the peloton's moving by. Yeah, well, of course, if anything, it's more open than a normal road because there's no cars parked and there's hmm. not as many people wandering around. But, yeah, it's um, it's a very real possibility, but one, as we say, we don't want to sort of think about too much because yeah. it could be quite disastrous. There was a good rebound with the race. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to see the highlights from uh, from I last night. Saw the finish. I saw Greg, Greg Van Avenard having a good, good dig. dig. Good dig, and then... Uh, and, and then Brian Cockyard, very close to doing a false salute, but let's say he didn't get his arms above his shoulders and then he realised he'd been beaten, so it was kind of cool. But it was great to see a Belgian win. I'm not going to have even crack it. Debouche? Debouche? Debouche. Yeah. yeah. Frenchy? Yeah. No, yeah. no, he's a Belgian. Well, he's a Brand- yeah. No, but I mean, it's like a yeah. Frenchy, because, you know, they're yeah. all kind of mixed up. <laughs> you know, that's right. But yeah, it was good. It looked like a good race. I watched the highlights and, um, you know, the racing was hard, selective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to see some cobbles in a bike race. Woohoo! It is coming up, but I think yeah. that's why this the, the strike in Brussels is so close to the cycling heart, mm. and because we we know that Flanders is coming up in two weekends' time, and everyone's trying to get there. You Zuru Sonata, who takes photos for us, he had to send an email around saying he couldn't get to Belgium. There's a lot of bike riders who couldn't get to Draast yep. or Flanderen, for example, because the Brussels, the airport's still closed. Yep. It, it's mm. it's really Belgian season, isn't it? It is the cobbled times, and 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 it's. It's affected the sport, and that's how why we're talking about it. Yeah, movie star, movie star had four riders last night uh, line up. Um, no giant Alpeson. None of their riders made the race. Let's kind of talk about actual racing and not that stuff. Well, so. I think though, Phil. I mean, since you mentioned it, it is yeah. If you don't talk about it, if you, if they don't think that it will happen, that's the worst hmm. thing to do. You know, they actually. Yeah, I mean, the tour is not getting any smaller, is it? Mm. And so, how do you how do you um, 
create a situation which is safe for the the people, the fans, and for the riders. It's it's so difficult, but they it needs to be thought about. I really haven't even thought about it until you brought up the topic. But yeah, I thought, given that yeah, so many of the races take place around um, the area of Brussels or, or sort of near there. I mean. And, and the fact that riders have to travel through those airports and train stations, you know, it, it, there's some, I think a lot more thought needs to take place in terms of uh, how to make the, the riders and the fans as, uh, feel as safe as possible. Because what you don't want is the fans not to come because there's that element of risk. We saw in Milan San Remo, which we could probably... Which is what we're going to talk to about now. now. But we saw yes. flares going off, you know. That's oh, sort of, yeah. That's that... What is it with people going to sporting events with flares? <laughs> trying to choke their, their favourite athletes. <laughs> They're quite, I mean, the, the images look kind of... Surreal. Yeah, it's bizarre. But you can actually... There's a, it's not like the guy's sort of trying to hide himself. He's actually, in fact, holding the flare next yeah. to his mm. face as if to highlight, yeah. look, here I am, I'm being an idiot. Seems to happen in Italy... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've seen it at the Giro before, so maybe it's an Italian thing. Many a sporting event, never have I had the urge to pack a flare. No, but look, it's it's a common common occurrence, and it's obviously it's current common occurrence in football. So we see it all through Europe, we see it through South America. Obviously, there are issues here in Australia when it comes to the A League, mm. and they're trying to stamp out that because they see it as uh, as behaviour that reflects poorly on the sport. Those same cultural issues don't exist in Europe, where football is is, is the number one sport by by a wide margin. Mm. So we we see that kind of transferred over into cycling, but I don't think it's a very good um, import, to be quite honest. Let's talk about that race. Yes, I no. talked with Robbie about it last night. Okay, what did Robbie say? Robbie said, first of all, he was happy to see Jurgen Jurgen Rulins come uh, on the podium. He was third. He was impressed with Ben Swift on account of him being a perennial uh, podium getter, place getter, but not a, a winner. And, and then, of course, he, he uh, was like most of us who hadn't really considered Arnaud Demar until the last 50 metres when yeah. Arnaud Demar was in the lead and clearly about to win the race. But uh, the, a big point that he referenced was that he thought Nasser Buhani was the man for the job. And then it, it looked like in the last couple of hundred metres he had a, suffered a mechanical. And yes. his theory is that he dropped it from the big ring to the small chain ring. And uh, I, it was clear that something had happened. He started having a tantrum a long, long time before the finish. <laughs> I don't know what do you make of it, Jack? Yes. How many? Man. How many MSRs have you watched? Um, probably the last five or six or however many has been okay. televised. Yeah. Um, I thought it was actually Gaviria's race in the, in the yeah, close. Yeah, I did too. Until uh, he was chopped or not chopped, he sort of rode into someone's rear wheel. It looked like. Penabramat. And then if you saw Ben Swift behind, the way he avoided it was. Um, was pretty pretty class riding, I thought. So for him to get into that second position, he would, he came out of um, the avoiding the crash straight into a sprint, and that's something that's pretty difficult to yeah. do. And, you know, second's not a bad result. <laughs> no, no, no. And and really, there was amazing bike handling all the way around because we saw Sagan, mm. and we saw um, Cancellara. Uh, Cancellara. Wheel, yeah. What did did you did you? Yeah, watch? I, I yeah. watched it. I thought that yeah, Gaviria was in a really great position, but we don't know how he was going to perform after we never got to see his sprint after 300 kilometers of riding. So who, who knows what happens there? Then with Sagan as well, um, he was basically trying to avoid, he was behind Gaviria. So we don't know about him. He was just trying to avoid 
falling. Yeah, I thought Buhani looked really good hmm. in the, the last couple of hundred. Yeah, he hasn't. I haven't really seen much about exactly what happened to him. People yeah. are too busy talking about something else. No, which yeah, we'll get to yeah. in a minute. No, I went through that vision of that sprint a whole bunch of times, and and Buhani mm. clearly slipped the gear. So okay. whether that, I mean, it was it was obviously unintentional. I mean, it wasn't mm. something you planned for. Mm. But you know, you have those instances where you really push down really hard for a sprint, mm. and maybe there's some frame flex or whatever. You get something, some movement in the front derailleur, and it obviously just created slippage, maybe at the back, even the rear rear cogs. We but either way, look it's at just that. we know that was it. Cofidis last year was experimenting with a, another group set. I think they were toying with the rotor the FSA. Oh, maybe was FSA. FSA? Yeah, 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 they right. were doing they had one prototype, but it was very much a prototype. Uh, but there was there was no indication he was using equipment that wasn't that wasn't mm. tried and true. So mm. you know he was just obviously very upset. We saw his handlebars are strong because he gave them a right royal thumping. Absolutely. And he's a a legendary boxer, so he'll tell you. Uh, You know, (laughs) actually, can we talk about Nasser for a minute? Because, I mean, in his his favor is the fact that he's carried on from MSR and he's won two stages of Catalonia. So, I mean, he's he's clearly now, I think, along with the mayor and and a couple of other riders. I mean, the sprint stocks are, are amazing at the moment. Yeah, and that they've come out of, sorry, they've come out of France too. I think um, a lot of the, I know we're going to talk about Demar and whatever happened on or didn't happen on the <laughs> the Chipressa. I mean, thing is, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of animosity, um, French versus Italians. You know, I, I thought it was very poor form. I mean, I thought it was shoddy journalism for <laughs> ba- basically, yeah, they, they get the the soundbite from um, the two Italians and they didn't seek a right of reply. They had they had plenty of time to, could have just asked FDJ what... What the goal was. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, um, but yeah, the, the fact that, you know, the sprinting stocks are rising from France, I think that, that peeves the Italians off because, you know, they've had guys like Pataki and Chippo and where's, where's their next guy? They look, they're looking a bit light on, that's for sure. Mm. Jack, you know, you understand some of this technical stuff because Rob tells me that you know you're pretty switched on when it comes to tech is he is he is he bullshitting are you talking you up or what um I'll have to wait and see what, what we got for <laughs> the the incident with um with Buani right with the with the gear shift I mean how 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 have you how did you see that to be honest it's not something that I've experienced myself personally <laughs> not being able to put out 1400 watts. watts or whatever <laughs> there is at the end of that sort of event but I think the amount of flex that goes to those frames, he's on um, an Orbeo Orca, which we found in our mag when we did the test on it to be really, really stiff. Um, so I, I don't know whether it's a frame flex thing, but we've seen that in, happen a few times in sprints, even the Australian Championships last year when Heinrich dropped his, dropped his chain over the line. So bikes are funny things and you've got a 4.8 mil chain um, going at that, that much strain and you, you never know what can happen. I guess we should talk about Demare and yeah, we've been sort of treating it like the elephant yeah, in the room. I, I that, that incident. I think it's unfair that the guy gets the biggest win of his career, and, and within minutes he's been shot down, and that's a bit of a shame. And 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 shot down in a way that was like Anthony said, just without investigation. It was just going on hearsay there, and 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 then it became social media fodder, and then it went through the roof that he then and, and this is the context is he crashed let's say 30k to go 32k to go i yep. think and he bought was down with uh was garen thomas in that fall and uh peter kenyuk and Bling. michael matthews Matthew. and another friend uh, there was another fdj Simon guy standing Clark. next to um demar but they all had to get themselves out of a tangle and and 
The average, I think, for the 296 kilometres was 43k an hour, roughly. It was around. It was very fast for a very long race. Mm. So, and they were speeding along. There were some incidents in this Milan San Remo which were interesting in that the, there was more of a grouping together on the Poggio, which is very uncharacteristic of this race. So there's two climbs. We know the Cipresa, the Poggio. Cipresa comes with about 26k to go and the Poggio with 6k to go. And uh, Demar crashed just before it along with all the others. They have to get back on. And we understand bike racing well enough in this room to understand how they get through it. They have to go in a convoy. They sit on a car. And, and that's totally legal. And, and there are times where they take a bottle and, and they the sticky bit and everyone knows about that, where they get a toe. And the, the accus- accusations are that he basically nibbled. Yeah. Is, is that a verb now? <laughs> I think it is. Uh, and, 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 took a, and held onto the car and, and got towed back up to the bunch while on the Cipress of the Pivotal Climb. And had that not happened... He wouldn't have been there for the sprint, blah blah blah, and that, that's the what's being contested, isn't it? Uh, I, I actually don't know whether they said that he um, they alleged he held onto the car. I think they just said he got a massive toe behind the car. So in that, I, I was just going to say, yeah, look what happens when an Italian, you know, well, with with Nibali, he he finds himself compromised in terms of a racing situation. He holds onto the car. Uh, Demar, okay, it's you, you want to talk about subtleties. You know, one is behind the car, but you know, I think there's a massive difference between holding on to a car doing whatever 60k's an hour and then sitting behind it, which is basically what every rider does in a, in a situation when they, you know, they get a puncture or some mechanical or you know compromised by a crash or something like that ahead of them so well my my take on this is and, I, and again I, I watched i clipped out that that little piece of video and i just had a look at it repeatedly and it's really only about maybe 30 seconds of of actual vision that's re, that's related or relevant uh to what happened and demar was one of the first guys out of that crash if you look at it, mm. you go back and you look at it, and he got a big push from his teammate. Yeah, and his teammate was there instantly. Instantly, yeah. they were right there. They were right on it. So. Whereas Michael Matthews, Matthews, he was stuck and no. he was really fiddling with the bike to get it free. And here's the way I look at it as mm. well: is that later in the race, when the cameras went back to the race later, mm. where was Matthews? We didn't see him. He was on the tail end. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He had hooked back on. Mm. Now he, Demare, was not injured at all. Mm. Right, he he lost mm. no skin. He mm. just he just fell off the bike. Mm. We know Bling now, we, we know he was pretty banged up. So, But he got back on. Mm. So I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, well, you've got two guys who are more or less the same kind of rider. I mean, you know, they, they're both fast guys. Bling gets back on. You're telling me that Demare, who doesn't get away sooner, doesn't doesn't reattach mm. by mm. under his own steam. And sure, yeah, as you say, he may have got a little bit of a, you know, sticky sticky bottle situation. The, the the team car may have pulled up next to him to check to make sure the bike was okay, that he yep. was okay. Yep. We know that that's going to happen. There's so many things right? that are being bandied around, like Visconti was first over the Cipressa and that he's the climber and he's won King of the Mountains at the Giro and therefore he should have been faster up. But... Visconti was doing the work for Valverde and for Lobato and doing other and, and softening up the bunch. So, and, and he was basically taunting the peloton. He wasn't yeah. saying, I'm going to go and win yeah. this race. And no one's won from the Cipressa f- since 1992 or three. Hmm. And we don't even, who cares what <laughs> Fondrias did back then? That's arbitrary. But um, uh, so Visconti's doing his thing. He, he was attacking, sure. But Demar had it, the intention from the beginning of the day to win this yes, race. Yes, that's right. So when he, and he's filled with adrenaline. He's not injured. He's coming back. He's super, he's, you know, 
furious from having crashed at the pivotal moment of the race because, let's face it, they they speed along the coastline for hundreds of kilometres, but it's only in the last 30 kilometres that the race becomes a real race. And at that moment, they all came tumbling down. And so he's going to be fueled with adrenaline, with anger, with, you know, whatever, and, and he's going to be fly. And he's also in the convoy sitting on cars. And Let's be clear. You go faster when you're doing that. And the reality is we did the only time we saw Demar before the finish was in the crash. You know, like most mm. of the, sp- the guys who are sprinters who are going to contest that finish, I mean, they were pretty much invisible, mm. you know, throughout the entire race. Yeah. I mean, you just saw with Matthews having to try and get his bike out of that tangled mess, every second you could just feel he was that <laughs> he was losing the bike race. I mean, I, and then, like you said, Phil, if DeMar, his bike wasn't tangled and he managed to get up um, quick sticks, then there's no reason to say that, yeah, he couldn't have got back um, without hanging on to the, the car. Because, yeah, we saw they showed Matthews uh, descending the, the, the Poggio, right? So, and, and he, was, he was back on. Yeah. So, um, Jack, do you, do you have a contrary take here or are we all in furious agreement? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but I just want to... <laughs> sort of go against something which Rob said about the race being on with 30 k's to go and I think this year it was a little bit different mm. when the race seemed to stop um, when they got mm. to the, the pivotal part of the race which is the Poggio climb and they were all looking around at seeing who's going to go and, and no one went until um, young Polish rider decided to, to make a move with too, too short a time to go until the finish so yeah. Well, we, we've never race. heard of that young Polish writer before. He's, he's new, isn't he? He's, what, he's what, what's guy. he ever done? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think he wore a world, about, world championship stripes all, all last year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I, I really thought uh, I thought the favourite for Milan San Remo was Peter Sagan. And he really? has, he's, has his reasons for not winning because he got caught behind Gaviara. No, help me out. Gaviria? Gaviria, Gaviria? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, but <laughs> generally tongue. whenever Sagan <laughs> is on... Kwiatowski's there as well. And that's why suddenly on the, uh, just between Suppressor and Poggio, I started thinking, this is the time for Kwiatek. He's going to really fly. And, and, and they'd always announced that, that Swift was going to be there, the, the man for Sky, and that there would be Geraint Thomas as a backup. But then you start thinking, you've got quality like Kwiatek. Well, you why? can play a wild card, yeah. can't you? Yeah. Yeah. But then you had Ian Stannard. If he'd held back and did what he did on the Suppressor on the Poggio... Maybe Stannard would have won. Yeah, Robbie yep. said that when he first saw him in the peloton, he was close to 100 kilos. Mm. And uh, to see the way he went up the depressor is pretty amazing. A lot of power. But that was many years ago he's changed. Yeah, yeah. substantially, yeah. or a little bit anyway. Yeah, Rob's not suggesting anything. No, no, he's just, uh, no, he's one of those guys. Yeah. We, we've, we've watched him grow as a bike rider. He's yeah. become a lot better. No, mm. it, was all, it was awesome the way he climbed mm. the Chipresa. Yeah. I think you're just going, how does this guy, you know, the way he's, he rolls the gear too, you know, you can tell that's that's his style. Yeah. What was cool about the race is that it did, although you can reference it as it being rather dull until the critical moment, yeah. it did put a lot of people, you know, it, it put the names up again. So we got to see Nibali have a little dig. We got to see Cancellara have a go on the descent. We got to see... 
Gaviera. Yeah. Gaviria. Sorry, I'm bad with the name. But yeah. the, I reckon there's <laughs> you'll, actually... You'll get used to it the more he wins, he's Rob. He needs to win. He's yeah. the real deal, isn't he? In, yep. At the Track Worlds, he wins the Omnium. He won the Scratch Race, I think. It, the, I think there's actually two of him because <laughs> he was doing the Track Worlds and then the next minute he was doing another race and he just seems to be everywhere at the same time yep. this year. Yeah, and no. then on the flip side of that, Rob, you've got... Cavendish is also trying to experiment with this year. I think it's important to talk about him because he's just not hitting the mark. I know, okay, the, the Madison aside, but the Madison's not going to be in the Olympics. I mean, it was great at home, you know. Entertainment. Entertainment mm. value, but in terms of his season, I think he's... It's 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 not it's not going well. We'll we'll, we'll see what happens in in uh, in France during the tour because I think mm. Cavs definitely back ending his entire season in a pretty major way. Mm. I think that's the plan, and I think that's that's why he's been nowhere really. He's won yeah. a few races this year, hasn't he? He won a couple mm. of stages of was it Dubai or Oman? Or yeah, he won Qatar. He won the title. Won, yeah, yeah, title yeah that's Qatar. right. So it's, it's not like he's been bad or anything. I mean, no. but you know, this I'd love pro- to be that bad. Yeah, no, it's it, it's standards, isn't it? You know, it's just like this guy sets such an incredibly high bar. Yeah. Right, and it's like anything less than that than that height that he's that he's had before. We kind of go, oh well. But he's know, also mixing disciplines. Yeah. And on an, I mean, so is Gaviera. I'm just <laughs> I'll stop talking about him. I want to say a lot about him. I just got to learn the name. I've been to be, no. To be fair, I've been having a lot of a lot of trouble typing his name. Hmm. Right. I keep putting too many I's, too many R's, too many L's. It's just like, <laughs> and they're all in the wrong place. So you know, just, we're, just we're, initial, just that. initial people. When you're doing the results, just put their initials. We need in. a nickname. We need a nickname yeah. like Perito or something. We need yeah. something from him. You know, I, like, know. I can yeah. still type Dijamaladin Abdujafar. <laughs> I get stuck on some Colombian names. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I want to get back to just for a moment because, uh, like you, I mean, I was I, I went on a I don't know if you saw it, but I went on this fantastic Twitter rant about the media, about the mayor. Okay. Right, and I, I really cracked the shit. So I'm sorry, but I really did because uh, you know it's like about ga- how gazettes are reported. Uh, yeah, or, just yeah. everyone in general and the way mm-hmm. they all jumped at it. And the thing that the thing that really bugs me is that cycling is so they they're just so happy to catch and kill their own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? I, isn't that I mean, a that, product of Twitter too? I mean, I, I'm just freaking over it, man. Like, <laughs> I don't even use it anymore. Yeah. I just can't be bothered. I mean, it's it's changed now. It used to be more of this, I think, a fairly amicable, collaborative mm. medium, and now it's just a take pot shots but we, of people. We just, it comes we, in waves, though, doesn't it? Yeah, but we just, we just seem to be so keen to just... I mean, I realise yeah. that cycling has a history and... You know, we've got we've had the whole doping thing, and you know, we've we've got elements of trust, you know, lack of trust in in the entire system. Mm. But to be so willing to tear down someone on such flimsy evidence without actually taking time to consider what it what it actually means, yeah, is it's just such an indictment of just not just not just Twitter, which basically you know you've got a bunch of Yahoo shooting their mouth off on on absolutely zero evidence mm. uh, for the most part. But to see legitimate media organizations. You know, so-called legitimate media organizations jump on this because obviously they're all under pressure. They want more traffic, et cetera. They want the clicks, and they're just going to go for it. They're just going to go for it, and they're just going to just cannibalize absolutely everything about the sport and and just rip them apart. Demare, by any measure, is an honest champion, and it's not that we haven't seen that he won't get to this point in his career because we've seen that he's on a trajectory. He is the kind of guy that would win a race like Mm. MSR, Mm. right? So nothing here has really happened that probably wouldn't have already wouldn't happen. 
if not this year, maybe next year or the year after. Uh, let's know? look. Let's be positive about it and at least say that because, at least let's put it this way, he's had more commentary than the last few Milan San Remo winners. Might not all be positive, mm. but at least he's sort of people certainly know the name Arno Delmar now. Mm. And they would have anyway because he's a champion of Milan San Remo. He's won a monument of cycling and he yeah. did it in fine style. Yeah. Certainly the sprint and anything that, that's questionable hasn't been seen. So mm. take it easy. So maybe the problem stems from the fact that we have seen the footage of, of Nibali. Yeah. You know, had that not been the helicopter shot that, that, that pushed him out of the race, he would have gotten away with it. Mm. And so when so people have that in the back of their mind when they're considering what might have happened and then they're eager to push tweet. It's funny because yeah. I heard that Arno Demar actually had a motor in his bike. Do you want to go down that road? The, yeah, what, yeah, Whatever the trend of cheating is. Well, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? You, you can know, just... They, and see, Tung, that's done. You've, you've made that boom. allegation. <laughs> just at, on SBS well, We, we uh, heard it here first, did we? <laughs> okay. Newsbreakers. Yeah, yeah. Are, are, you much, are you much of a Twitter user, Jack? Not historically, but I'm getting more into it. More into it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think it's, it's best as a news form. Uh, as a way of gathering your information, building that silo around you to get the things that you want to learn. I think opinions shouldn't really um, be vented on there because once it is, it's there forever. And mm. something like the DeMar thing, um, you know, those people might regret what they said. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's good though. I would say <laughs> laypersons' opinions don't really count. But in terms of Twitter, um, you know, getting the opinions from the athlete post-race, I think that's really quite helpful, you know, that first half an hour because reporters don't have access to the athletes until, you know, they've come out of the team buses and stuff like that. So I like those very raw reactions before the press officer gets hold of the athletes and tells them what to say. So in that way, it's good. Yeah, I just the, the, the pot shot sort of stuff I don't really like. I want to actually talk about uh, go back one, one, one other race. Stage uh, racing, Harry Nees. That last stage. Okay, yeah. The so, best stage of road racing this year. Well, I actually just put out a tweet, which we've been rubbishing just recently. <laughs> I just put out a tweet this morning and saying, how good has the racing been this year across the span of racing? Even something like Dubai was interesting. Mm. Um, Strata Bianchi was fantastic. Right. Right. And Perry Nice was like icing on the cake. That last mm. stage was just The last phenomenal. weekend, let's be yeah. clear. Mm. Just fantastic. Someone who was there said the first five days you could have fallen asleep. Uh, yeah, well. Well, uh, even though Michael uh, Matthews was leading and he won the prologue and all of these things, but, yeah. you know, Australians had reason to stay awake and watch the coverage. Yes, that's Probably. right. So, and SBS broadcast it, didn't it? We've, we've, done, uh, we've done MSR, we've done um, Strata Bianchi. Yes, exactly. You're all over it. So, SBS's season has begun. It is. It's, it's started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And I'm already very tired. But anyway, we want to back the truck up just a little bit and, and talk about uh, uh, just very quickly your thoughts on Perinese Strata Bianchi. Stand, uh, that's two races. Yeah, I know. But, yeah. you know, they're, they're one right after the other, right? And, Which and came first? They, they should, they look, should I, put them on the same weekend. No, but that weekend that weekend was insane because we had yeah. the end of the track, world, the track world championships, right? We had Stra- 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 Bianchi, Yeah, that's right. Stradbianchi on a Saturday night, right? And then as soon as um, – and then we had the first stage of Paris-Nice on Sunday night, which then bled right into the world championships, the final day of the world championships. We were live for all of that. So that's that's <laughs> right? Phil's sentiment <laughs> that, on that, the races. He was tight. That, that was me. Yeah. Right, uh, that weekend. Strata mm. Bianca. Well, what I would say is I think everyone's just so happy that Cancellara is, is really back to his, his best. He, he just doesn't – he's just so 
relaxed and you know he's not just back to his best in terms of one day races with time trials as well <laughs> you know he's he's beating tony martin on quite a regular basis so that's good uh with Paris nice i'd probably say yeah i'm gonna really miss contador uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. racing that's oh, what yeah. i thought after seeing that i thought who else races like he does there there is no other stage racer they're all so conservative compared to him and you saw how much it meant to him he almost was crying on yeah. the the podium last night uh, last night at catalonia he, i mean he was he was incredible again jack yeah you you were showing me catalonia this morning and talking about watch dan martin watch dan martin but it was and dan was impressive but what'd you make a contador well he's just a racer isn't he I, yeah there was a rumor going around that he he's got an SRM meter, power meter, but he doesn't actually have any numbers displayed. So he just goes. He off just field. got to turn it turned off. <laughs> that's that's what they say. But I, yeah, we doesn't look down truth. at it as much as Froomey. He's an absolute superstar, obviously. And um, watching him in Paris Nice, like you say, Anthony, he was you just miss him so much, and all the negative thoughts you had towards him um, yeah. through the meat the meat scandal. I think we um, you just forget him. You kind of forgave him, him in that. Just with his display of uh, bravado. bravado, yeah. It's not that you go back to what he did in 2010 or whatever, 09, but you just think, oh, well, he's, he's, I just, you go, well, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I, th- I think he's a, he's a clean racer now and you just love, you have to love the way he, he he'll put everything to, to, to try and win a race. He doesn't yeah, care I about I mean, he's the favourite and uh, he knows that everyone's watching him and he knows that every... I mean, I spoke with Richie about Parry Nice and he said on the last day that Geraint Thomas came up to him. Geraint won the race eventually by four seconds and had... Well, let's talk... Actually, can you talk about that specifically, that whole, that whole kind of scenario? The scenario. So yeah. the setting was that uh, Geraint came up <coughs> to Richie, who were no longer teammates, and said, look, Contador's going to go on... I can't remember the name of the climb, but it was about 60K to go. So we just have to be aware of that. And sure enough, Contador did light it up and he did get a... Uh, get some advantage and Richie chased him down and the pair were riding together and had Contador won the stage instead of uh, someone with a van in their surname no oh, oh, okay. Wellens sorry Wellens. had he not done that and Contador came second it got the time bonus so he would have won the title <laughs> so we see incredibly tight racing but going back to the discussion of Richie and Contador when they're on the attack and and really putting Garrett's yellow jersey under threat uh, what are they talking about? I said to Richie, and he's like, well, just the usual. Let's work together. Let's try and gain the, ba- the, the, the extras. And Richie stood to benefit by getting rid of Ulnar Zakarin uh, and pushing him off the podium, which he did, and Richie ended up third overall in the race that he won last year. Contador was saying to him, come on, let's keep going because I can win the title. And Richie was thinking, but I really like Geraint. He, he, can, <laughs> he can win the race. So there was all sorts of things playing out. And um, that's what makes bike racing fascinating. And, and it made for a fantastic last day. And, and, right. and even... You're doing the calculations. Even when Thomas crossed the line in the yellow jersey, it just in the in the second group, it, you're thinking, well, he should have won it, but has he? And, and you're doing the countbacks and playing games with time bonuses, and it's it's enthralling. It's and amazing. then the podium, Jack um, Bert didn't look. Uh, he was not a happy camper on he the wasn't. podium. Did well, you see I, that? No, I actually missed the podium. No, shots. He, he was. He, there wasn't a smile anywhere, really. It was, it was so forced, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you'd... Yeah. I don't know whether I felt sorry for Bertie. I just loved the how much it meant. Yeah. 
team, you know, for him to lose that that race by such a minute margin. Yeah. So what happens next year when there's no Cancellara and no Contador? It's going to be a big hole in the peloton, isn't there? Mm, no. Do you reckon Contador is going to really pull the pin? He's going. To, what he's retiring this year? That's Allegedly, sure. yeah. And then you know the way that he's going, though, he just must. He'll get to the end and think, oh, well, one more let's year, have a go, another go, let's have another go. No, you Do you think Cancellara is? <laughs> I mean, Cancellara is having his almost. You have to say as good a start to the year as any. And I mean, he's if he has a blinder, is he going to hang it up, Rob? I don't know. He's yeah. a bit older than Contador, isn't he? Yeah, but still. But either way, if they do walk away, then the sport is uh, there's going to be a vacuum that needs to be filled. But there, there, there seems um, to be the, 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 Gaviera. Yeah, <laughs> he'll come through. He's taken over the mantle of Cavendish. No, has he or not? <laughs> I not think yet, we're not all going to mispronounce his name right. after this podcast. All right, let's um, <laughs> let's talk let's, about let's, someone whose name we can pronounce. We'll, we'll Sir Bradley Wiggins. Track worlds. Um, I've watched a lot of track world championships. We we broadcast um, several on uh, on SBS and we broadcast every session live again. Um I'm going to call this year's wor- this year's World Track Championships the best I've seen. It's up there with 2012, yep. but I, I only reference that cuz that was the last one I went to. But I, uh, uh the racing yeah. across the board uh, was, was high quality. Super cool. Right? The team pursuit and the finale, I mean you couldn't you couldn't script it it's any fantastic. better than that. No. You have to hold me back because if you give me a, 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 a window, I'll talk for hours about track cycling. Go. I, I just totally You've got it. five minutes. And how cool is it that Cavendish and Wiggins, so normally the idea is that the superstars come back to the track so that they can uh, either collect a hell of a, uh, collect some money for six-day appearances or they come back to the track because there's an Olympic gold medal on offer, which is sort of why we go there and why Cavendish is there. But the Madison's not in the Olympics. The Olympics. So they did it to entertain. Yeah. And uh, I... It's hard to talk about the track championships because there's so many events which were good. The Madison was a standout. That's why we put it on the cover. It was an excellent race, two superstars of the sport. Uh, it started instantly, the Madison, with the French taking a lap. These were the defending champions of the Madison and they get, they get to take a lap within the first 10 r- laps of the race. It was a pretty spectacular way to start. Australia took a lap. Uh, I think Colombia took a lap. And, with about, and, and in the meantime... Wiggins and, and Cavendish snavelled up about four sprints in a row. So they had bucket loads of points. And then with about 30 laps to go, it was a let's do it now or never. And Wiggins and Cavendish teamed up with Spain and they took a lap. And, and the, uh, even now talking about it, I have seriously got goosebumps on my legs because the crowd was going psycho. Yeah. And it was a huge <laughs> effort. And, and and not and then the crash <laughs> and then the, so he gets the lap. the crowd goes wild they're just like right beauty all they've got to do is ride to the finish and they've got this one and they've got a gold medal and superstars on the podium and everyone's already hugging each other and then Cavendish crashes it's just brilliant because it takes you back to 2000 when in at the Dunk Gray Velodrome in Sydney for the Olympics Scott McGrory and Brett Aitken get the gold medal and in the about the third last lap, Wiggins and Rob Hales riding together. Wiggins crashes, goes from third medal posi- uh, from bronze medal position to fourth, I think, from memory. Or did he get the bronze? Either way, there just was all this serendipitous coming together of the narrative of track cycling and 
the broader context of cycling. And 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 that Madison, if you haven't watched it, find it, watch it from beginning to end. Yep. It's over very quickly. They had a listed average of 57k an hour, but as Scott McGrory, Madison gold medalist at the Olympics, pointed out, um, because there were so many laps taken, the average speed was taken instead of the full distance. You're, so you're oh, pulling the laps out out of the average counts. It's a little bit of a misnomer there. I'd have to look into what the, the real average would be and, and the actual distance covered, if that makes sense. The Madison is complicated. That's one of the reasons they pulled it out of the Olympics. They said it was too awkward to watch. But it is such good sport. Watch it. It's almost as good as the team pursuit. <laughs> Rob's really into track cycling. No, 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 but you know what? It's, it's, it's. I'm not so much. I'm not into it like Rob is. But yeah. when the events are on, because we do broadcast them, mm. it's, it's. You have to it, be it's into so, it. it. But, but you are. You're drawn mm. in. There's a story there, mm. and it's compelling to watch. The team pursuit. I missed the women's final, and uh, just, uh, just had yeah, other but, obligations. And American won, and it was apparently fantastic time and everything. And, and there was a whole narrative behind that. But, but the so, Australian win over Britain in the, the men's team pursuit in the second fastest time ever written, which was uh, 352.727 from memory. Um, it was just unreal to watch. We had 20-year-old Sam Wellsford who turned 20 in January. We had 19-year-old Callum Scottson, had 21-year-old Miles Scottson and um, 24 Hep- or 5-year-old Michael Hepburn in, in the final. And Callum, the <laughs> youngest in the team, started and they, they were in the lead from the word go. I think they did a 103 first kilometre and it just got faster and faster. And and then, so it's a 16-lap race and with, with 12 from laps... 12, 13, 14, Wiggins was on the front and doing some damage and put the Brits in the lead for the the only time in the race. And then Callum Scottson came to the front again and went very hard, so much so that he had to peel off midway up the straight, which they're not usually doing. And then Sam Wellsford, this superstar, the individual champion, the pursuit champion of Australia, he did a, a turn that Brad McGee, another pursuiter from, from the past, said to me was the best turn he's seen in a long, long time and it's what won them the race. Yeah. And they ended up only winning by a fraction of a second. It was a spectacular race. Yeah. Uh, do watch it. It's only three minutes and 52 seconds of, of gold uh, uh, sports vision. It's, it's really, it's, it's fantastic. And what makes it even better is that this is an Olympic event um, mm-hmm. and it, it is highly likely to be Australia and, and Great Britain in the final in Rio, although last year's world champions, New Zealand, New Zealand can't be yeah. discounted. And we've seen even Italy, you know, getting into the final four, I think, this time around. Yeah. So everyone is, is stepping up yep. for an Olympic year. Fascinating contest. Get to, the, get to understand this event and you're going to love it in Rio. It's going to be it's the blue ribbon event of cycling for the Olympics and it's going to be unreal. And that's pretty much it for us here at Cycling on SBS. Catch you later. Bye-bye.